Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. How's everybody doing out there? Where are you at on Zoom, Facebook Live? Praise the Lord, everybody. I hope everyone is uh, having a blessed morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. It is so good to see some of your faces here or some of your names here. I don't see your faces here uh, on Zoom on today. Uh, But before we get started, uh, let's start with a word of prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you. God, we thank you, Lord, for just being God and God alone. God, we thank you, Lord, for being uh, the sovereign God that you are. God, we, we, we're we going through a lot right now. Uh, we don't understand everything, God. And God, we understand that you are in control of everything, God. But God, we ask so that you help us, God. Help our hearts, help our minds, help our spirits. Strengthen us during this season, God. We ask, God, that you allow us to have unity, God. We ask, God, that you allow us to... Uh, maintain and uh, receive some answers on everything that is going on around the world. We ask so that you touch our children, touch our families, touch our loved ones, touch our cities, touch our nation. God, we ask God that in this season, God, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. And God, we thank you on today, God, for giving us an opportunity to share the gospel. Another opportunity, God, to allow the world to know who you are. And how powerful you are. We ask God today, God, that you use us in this service, God. We ask God that you touch my lips of clay, God, and you just say what you need to be said in this service on today. And Lord, we thank you. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before I start... Uh, I think it would be uh, irresponsible uh, not to talk about uh, everything that is going on currently in our world. Sure, if you cut your television on and you watch the news, uh, there are many things uh, that are troubling, that are disturbing, that are disheartening. And if we never needed the Lord, we surely need him right now. I'm, I'm, I'm filled with so many different emotions. I'm angry. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. And I need Jesus. <laughs> and I think we all need Jesus right now. I'm really lost for words. It's a situation where if someone smacked you in the face, you can't tell that person how to react. You really can't tell a person how to react after you offended them. And right now, what we're going through right now is America has smacked black America in the face and black America and Americans. I don't even want to say black America, but Uh, Those that are tired and sick and tired of being sick and tired are reacting right now. Whether or not I agree with all of the reactions of what's going on in the world, um, I can't say I agree with everything. But what I can say is that I understand why we feel the way that we do. Uh, I posted a picture a few days ago, uh, yesterday actually, uh, of a sign of people marching and holding signs in 1963 
asking for the stopping of police brutality. It is now 57 years later, and we are still fighting the same fight. And before there was police brutality, we had the Jim Crow South. We had segregation. We had slavery. We had the transatlantic trade. And it just seems like over and over and over again, we keep getting smacked in the face. And now we are responding. And whether you agree with it or not, you cannot tell a person how to respond after they continually been smacked in the face. We've been smacked in the face with George Floyd. We've been smacked in the face with Philander Castle. We've been smacked in the face with Trayvon Martin. We've been smacked in the face with Mike Brown. We've been smacked in the face with Sandra Bland. We've been smacked in the face with uh, so many other people around the world. I can't even give you all of the names. And what's so crazy is every name that I have given you has happened within the last decade. And yet we have people with signs talking about, let us make America great again. And I struggle with that phrase because to many of us, America has never been great. I'm going to get into the word of God, but it is irresponsible for us and for me and as people in leadership and for pastors across the globe to go on with church as usual and not address what's going on. And I am furious with my brothers and sisters in Christ who draw African-Americans into their church but have not made one stance this week in regards to justice for their black parishioners. And we as people of God, it is part of the word of God. It is not just something that we're doing. God, Jesus Christ stood for justice. And there is no way in the world that we call ourselves Christians and we don't lift our voices when injustice is happening around this country. So it is my responsibility as a black man. It is my responsibility as a father of black sons and black daughters. It is my responsibility as a pastor of black parishioners to open my mouth today and to say we're tired of being smacked around. And now America is facing the reaction of what it feels like to constantly be smacked and finally get a reaction of what happens when you smack us in the face. One of my favorite preachers in the world is a man by the name of uh, Dr. Eric Mason. Uh, He wrote a book. And I would encourage all of you uh, to purchase this book. Um, You can get it on Amazon. It's $1.99 on Amazon, uh, Kindle, uh, or you can purchase the book. As a matter of fact, uh, with everything that's going on right now, um, the book is actually sold out. So you can't even purchase it on Amazon. Uh, So you would have to get an Amazon Kindle or you can go to Moody Publishing, the publisher directly and purchase this book. 
Uh, but this book is called Woke Church. Another book that I'm reading this week and I've read before, but I'm reading again, is by a man by the name of Brian Loritz. Uh, and he wrote a book called Right Color, Wrong Culture. And it deals with uh, diversity uh, in the church. Uh, because a lot of times we brag on diversity, but when it comes to social issues in the church, we don't lift our voices. Uh, but Derek, Eric Mason shared something powerful in the first chapter of uh, Woke Church. Uh, He says, uh, when it comes to uh, the African-American male, we deal with uh, three consciousness. The first conscience is that we're black. The second conscience is that being black is something that is wrong to other people. And the third conscience, for those of us that are Christians, Christians, is that we are conscious that we are in Christ. Uh, One of the problems that we have is that uh, most people are only Christ conscious, but they're not black conscious. So their view of everything that's going on is clouded. And then they begin to ask the questions, well, why are they acting the way that they are? And uh, this is the problem. And they're acting like thugs and all of these different terminologies are being said because they don't understand the experience that many of us have to go through. I need you to think about this for just a moment. Dr. Martin Luther King died in 1968. That was about 10 or 15 years before I was born, which means that I'm not even a generation removed away from segregation. So when you tell uh, the black community to get over it, you have to understand that many of us our first generation or a first generation of people that have finally accomplished certain aspects in life that the rest of the world has already accomplished. We're playing catch up. I'm the first African-American male on both sides of my family with a college degree. And with all of that, with college degrees and with owning a home and with a career and with being a father of four and with all of that, there are still certain neighborhoods that I can drive through right now, locally, not in the South, in South Jersey. And when they see the color of my face, they will pull me over. And all of my credentials mean nothing. So this is the season that we have to pray like never before. We have to seek the face of God like never before. Because the enemy is trying to get busy. I'm going to get to Pentecost in a minute. But if we are going to sit up here, shout, holler, and yell hallelujah, but not speak against the ills of humanity, then all of that has no effect. Even Jesus kicked the tables over in the temple because of the injustice that was done to the people in the church. And if Jesus can speak out against the social ills of Rome and of the the things that were going on in the Judaism climate, then we need to do so as African-Americans as well. So I pray, I pray for peace, but I also pray for answers. And the only thing thing that frustrates me the most 
is that this is the time more than ever that we should be depending on the leadership of this country. And unfortunately, the leadership of this country is incompetent, arrogant, ignorant, and blinded to the ills that are going on. They see thugs, but I see hurt young black people. They see thugs, but I see people who are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you know, it's a crazy thing when it's not just African-Americans out there. And for my Caucasian brothers and sisters, I want to let you know we appreciate those of you that are standing on the front line with us. But for those that are remaining silent in this season, we're going to keep making some noise. So unfriend us (laughs) or just get ready for us to keep posting and posting and posting about the social ills to where you get sick and tired and you unfriend us. Let me go to the word of God. Many a times, (laughs) the things that we are looking for, even in this climate, is in the word of God. And sometimes what happens in our lives uh, construes our mind, makes us weary, makes us tired, and we stop searching the scriptures for answers. And I'm here to tell you that everything that we need is in this book. Every answer, every scripture of comfort, every scripture that deals with your rage, every scripture that deals with uh, how you feel right now, there is something in the book that can give you answers for your situation. The real issue is, is that many of us don't go through the scriptures to find answers for this and find solutions for our problems. In the book of St. Matthew, the second chapter, the Bible says that there were wise men who were from the East. They were astronomers. And they looked up into the stars and they realized that there was a star over Israel, uh, which was a sign to them that a king had been born. And the Bible says that these astronomers, uh, astrologers, uh, they begin to uh, go over into Israel and they went to Herod and they came to Herod and asked him, where is the king so we can pay tribute? Herod was not familiar with Christ the Lord. He wasn't familiar with scripture. Uh, So what he did was he went uh, to the scribes, those that knew the scriptures. And he asked them, where would Jesus be born? And the Bible says, and the scribes went into the Old Testament and they showed him how Christ would be born in Bethlehem. And from there, the wise men went to Bethlehem to pay their tributes to Christ and to give him gifts. And Herod went on a mission to destroy all children to and old because he realized that amongst them, there was a king that was born. The thing that bothered me with that text, the thing that bothers me with that text is that the same scribes who could go in the scriptures and tell Herod and the wise men where Jesus was, did not go and look for Jesus for themselves. Which shows me that there are times where there are people who can quote scripture. They know the Bible left and right. But with all of that quoting, with all of that scripture, They have never searched out Jesus for themselves. So when we go through the whole entire scriptures, 
we begin to see that God has constantly given us patterns in the Old Testament to show us what is next. When we go throughout the whole entire Old Testament, it is a shadow of things to come. All the way down from the tabernacle. All the way down to the priesthood. All the way down to the clothing. All the way down to Passover. Those of you that are familiar with the scriptures, we understand that uh, in the book of Exodus, the children of Israel had been going through all types of trials and tribulations with Egypt. They were under uh, the oppression of Egypt. They had been slaves for 440 years and the time has now come for their release. And the Lord had spoken to Moses and told Moses, uh, tell the people to go find a lamb without spot, without blemish, kill the lamb and use the blood of the lamb to put it upon the post of the doors. Because at midnight, I'm going to send a spirit or an angel of death to come. And whoever does not have the blood upon the post of their doors, when the spirit of death comes, they will die. The firstborn of, of, their, of their, their livestock would die. And around midnight, the spirit of death came throughout Egypt. And everyone that had the blood upon the post of their door was saved. This was a shadow of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, whose blood was shed for us. That when sin came to kill us and sin came to take us out into an eternity of doom, he could not touch us because we're covered by the blood of Christ. So the story in Exodus is a foreshadow of Jesus and the Old Testament. Not only that, but the next day, Moses told the people of God to get up and to grab unleavened bread. Don't take any leavened bread from Egypt, but take unleavened bread that has not been risen, that has no yeast, and run to the the Red Sea. Uh, The unleavened bread symbolized Christ Jesus. And when you begin to go through the scriptures, this was what they would call the feast of the first fruits. Because Christ was the first fruit of the resurrection. 50 days later, there was something called the feast of weeks. This was 50 days after the Passover. 50 days after the Passover was the feast of weeks, which was a celebration of the harvest. However, Christ or Moses was told by God to allow them to put leaven inside of their bread this time. Now we learned from Paul that the leaven symbolizes sin. So why would Moses allow them to put leaven inside of their bread to celebrate the Feast of Weeks? Because the Feast of Weeks symbolized the church. That although we are the church and the bride of Christ, we're still full of sinful nature. So Jesus was our Passover and he died around Passover. And three days later, he rose again as the first fruit offering with no leaven and with no sin. But then 50 days later was the feast of Pentecost that we call in the book of Acts, 
which shows us that Christ showed us the pattern of what he was going to do next in the Old Testament. The problem was we didn't look through the scriptures to see what God was doing next. My God, uh, if, if we're looking for answers right now, stop looking for all these prophets. Because uh, I'm going to tell you now, they're going to disappoint you. Stop giving your money to these psychic psychic slash prophetic hotlines because they're going to lie to you. But if you are looking for insight, open the word of God because God has all of the answers that we need. So now we see here that 50 days later is the day of Pentecost. And the Bible says that when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were together in one place. Now, I want you to understand here, uh, 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 Jesus said, tarry here in Jerusalem in the first chapter. And over the course of time, we have redefined what the word tarry is. Uh, tarrying means nothing more but to wait. Why? Because I'm getting ready to drop on you a gift. <laughs> and a gift doesn't require any extra effort. So if you look here, Jesus never told them to dance. Jesus never told them even to pray. All Jesus told them to do was to wait and he would do the rest of the work. Why? Because God was trying to show us that the gift of the Holy Spirit was his sovereign grace towards us. It was nothing that we could earn. It was nothing that we could do. It was nothing that we could set ourselves in position to do. It was nothing more but the sovereign grace of God. So you can dance all you want. You can holler all you want. But the grace of God is the reason why we have the gift of the Holy Ghost. Our praise is an, is an expression of gratitude of what he has already done. So he says, tarry here. And when the day of Pentecost, he told them to tarry here 40 days after his resurrection. Uh, so which means that they had waited for 10 days for the 50th day. Now the 50th day had come and it is the feast of weeks, which I told you about was a pattern in the Old Testament. It was the feast of the first fruits. It was the feast of the harvest. And now it has come here and God is strategic and knows what he's doing. And when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they all were together in one place. They had unity. Because there's nothing like a church with unity. And they went up into the upper room. Now, where the upper room was, we can make the argument. It was the same room where the last supper was or where it was somebody else's house. We don't know. All we know is they were gathered together in an upper room. And in order to hold 120 folks, this had to be a nice size room. And the Bible says, and suddenly... A sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven. A sound, not a wind. It sounded like a wind, but it was not an actual wind. The Bible says that they heard a sound. And if you were to translate that word sound in the Greek, it was like a hurricane. And this sound was so loud that if you go down to the sixth verse, that the unbelievers heard the sound and it drew them to the 120. Now I need you to work with me real quickly here. They heard the sound 
of a wind, but they did not experience any wind. And the sound was so loud that it drew unbelievers because the sound was so loud. But watch this. It filled the room where they were staying, which means that they were baptized in the Holy Ghost while the others that were drawn to it only heard a sound. Which tells me something here. It tells me that there are some people who have only experienced the sound of the Holy Ghost, but have never been filled with the Holy Ghost. And what I don't want is I don't want a church that is has the sound of churchiness and the sound of Pentecost, but has never been filled with the Holy Ghost. We need to be filled with the spirit, not just have the sound of the spirit. So today we got a lot of churches around the country that are dancing that is hollering, that's shouting, that's doing all of that, and they have the sound of Pentecost. But the question that I have to ask is, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? We need more than just a sound. We need more than just a praise break. We need more than just a dance. We need more than just a high-five your neighbor. We need more than just a hoop to a B3 organ. We need more because people are dying in this world and your dancing ain't going to save them. So now we see here that the sound came and it filled the house where they were staying. This is what I love here in this third verse. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. No, 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 no. Their their tongue wasn't inflamed. They saw tongues of fire. And the tongues of fires that they saw descended upon them. Ah, You guys remember Jesus' baptism. And the Bible says that when Jesus was baptized, that the spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. But now we see here in the book of Acts, the second chapter, that when the spirit of God descends upon the apostles, it descends on them in the form of a fiery tongue. Why does Jesus get a dove and we get a fiery tongue? (laughs) And the reason why he gave them a fiery tongue is because the Holy Ghost needed to be boldly proclaimed to the world. So the sign of the fiery tongue was a sign that God was going to fall on them and they were going to boldly proclaim the word of the Lord. One of the signs of the Holy Spirit is not just dancing, but one of the signs of the Holy Spirit is the boldness to proclaim the goodness of the Lord. I wish I had some Holy Ghost filled folks on the line that know what I'm talking about. When you are Holy Ghost filled, there's a boldness that overtakes you. There's a boldness for you to speak against things that try to come up against you. There's a boldness for you to speak against the ills and injustice of America. There's a boldness that speaks against corona and sicknesses that try to come up against your body. There's a boldness that speaks against your unsaved loved ones that will declare that God is willing and able to save them. When the Holy Ghost overtakes you, there's a boldness that falls upon you. So this thing was not some timid thing. It's not just, you know, just some little sweet thing that fell upon them, but this thing fell on them with power. And the power made them react. Then they all were filled, fourth verse, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak 
in different tongues as the spirit enabled them. We're going to park here for a minute. (laughs) Then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues. The word tongues can be translated to languages as the spirit enabled them. I'm going to get in trouble right here. I'm going to get in trouble right here. Y'all pray for me. Uh, 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 They were not speaking gibberish. They were not speaking a learned tongue that they heard mama say in church. They were not speaking uh, a language that nobody else understood but them and Jesus. They were not speaking an angelic language. Because if you go down to the eighth verse, the Bible says that the Jews begin to ask, how do they know our language? So if when they spoke in tongues, they actually spoke actual languages to the people. Now, I know, man, help me meet Jesus. <laughs> I know there's some folks that are going to tell you to tarry and, and all of that. And, and I don't have any issue with that. If that's how you received it, I'm Pentecostal. That's how I received it. But I'm here to tell you that the tongues in Acts 2 were actual tongues to nations. Can I go a step further? Can I go a step further? Can I go a step further? Can I show you the purpose why God allowed them to speak in tongues in Acts 2? Uh, you have to understand that back in uh, Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter and the 49th verse, uh, Moses understood that the children of Israel were going to sin against God. And when he recognized that they were going to sin against God, he came and he bought them a word. And the word that he bought them was that a day is going to come that a strange nation is going to come to you and speak in a strange tongue. And they're going to bring you into captivity. Israel didn't listen. So God came to Isaiah and Isaiah, the 28th chapter and the 11th verse, he comes back again and he says the same thing that a strange nation nation is going to speak in a strange tongue and they're going to draw you in and take you into captivity. They still didn't listen. So God came to the prophet Jeremiah and Jeremiah five and 15 and in Jeremiah five and 15, he says the same thing. He says, there's going to be people with stammering tongues People who don't speak your language, who are going to come and take you captivity. And what happened was around Second Kings, the 24th chapter, the children of Israel kept sinning against God and God gave them over to the Babylonians and the Babylonians spoke in a different tongue. Mm. The Babylonians spoke in their language. And if you go to Psalms, I believe 137 and 1 and 2, uh, the, 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 the Israelites begin to write a psalm and they say, how can we sing our song in this strange land? Uh, it is by the rivers of Babylon that we hung our harps upon the willows because now they had been taken captivity and they had learned the languages of other nations. But God is a God that is a promise keeper. And back in Genesis 12, God told Abraham that as you see the stars upon the face of the sky and as you see the grains of sand upon the shores, so shall your seed be upon the face of the world. He also said that nations will call you blessed. You will bless nations. And what happens? These people begin to go to different nations and they begin to speak in different tongues. But God is a God that is a promise keeper. And he recognized that regardless of 
where you are, regardless of where you've been relocated, whether you're in Africa, whether you're in Mesopotamia, whether you're in Asia Minor, whether you're in Turkey, whether you're in London, whether you're in India, I still got a word that can reach you. So on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost fell, the Bible says the tongues fell upon them and they began to speak in the languages of the people that were taken captivity so that he could reach them where they were. We are now, help me Jesus, we are now dealing with a new generation. A generation that is lost. A generation that feels left behind. A generation that feels like the world doesn't feel loved. A generation that feels like their life has no value. And rather than us speaking in tongues that make no sense, God has given us a tongue to go to these nations and to these young people and to speak a language that they can understand and say, Jesus still loves you. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm excited today. (laughs) But we got to move beyond the church talk. And start talking the language of the people and let the people know that God still loves them. What better time than today? What better time than now? While they're rioting, while they're looting, while they're destroying cities. While they're in their houses crying because they've lost sons and they've lost daughters, what better time than now to use the gift of the Holy Ghost that God has given us and to go out into the nations and give them a word of hope from the Lord? Stop using all of your church privilege for the four walls. That's why the church is struggling now. Because all you know how to do is have church in the four walls. All you know how to do is have church on Sunday. And now you're inconvenienced. Because your church is closed. And you have no power. Where's your title at now, preacher? Where's your title at now, minister? Or are you just waiting for the next opportunity to grab a microphone when you have an audience? There's an audience on Market Street right now. There's an audience in New Orleans right now. There's an audience in San Francisco right now. There's an audience in Minneapolis right now. There's an audience in Houston right now. There's an audience in Atlanta right now. There's an audience in Miami right now. And God has not enabled us to speak in tongues for us just to holler shanana on Sunday. We need to go out to the street and say, Jesus loves you right now. That's why the church, the world don't respect us. We say we have all this power, but you only got the power when you're in the four walls of the church. Where's your power at now? I got to lead us alone. It'll lead us along. So they didn't speak in tongues to show off in service. First Corinthians 4, 14, Paul shares with us that the purpose of the tongue was for the unbeliever. 
And what we see here in Acts 2 is we see them speaking in tongues so that they can reach the unbeliever. Your son, don't reach me. But your praise the Lord Jesus loves you on the street is more effective than a bunch of tongues right now. I don't, I don't, I, I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> but if I could say it like I, like I feel it, I would tell you, leave your tongues at home and go out on the street and speak a tongue that somebody understands. Because that ain't reaching nobody right now. All this dancing on my Facebook timeline and all this shouting and all white and all of that, I thank God for it. I'm Pentecostal, but that ain't saving nobody right now. Y'all just having a good time. Y'all enjoying Pentecost. But the world needs Pentecost. The world needs this message. Don't keep it for yourself. If God is as good as you say he is, take the message to the streets. All right. Fifth verse. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem. Devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, I told you they heard the sound of the Holy Spirit, but they didn't experience the Holy Spirit. When the sound occurred, the crowd came together and was confused because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. (laughs) Help me, Jesus. What are we going to do after the church hears the sound? After the world hears the sound. They hear us praising God. But what's the message after the praise? They hear us dancing. But what can we tell them about God after the dance other than I felt it in my bones? This Holy Ghost is more than just a feeling. And if all you have is a feeling, you need to question whether or not you have the Holy Spirit. So the sound drew the people. I'm going to show you how strategic God is. The sound drew the people. And in the sixth verse, they said, how in the world do you know our language? They were astounded and amazed. Looking. Look, aren't all these who speak in Galileans? Now watch this. Galileans were common people. Galileans didn't even speak Hebrew correctly. Galileans were like many of us who speak Ebonics. I can say certain things to some of y'all. Some of y'all know what I'm saying. You know what I mean? (laughs) They spoke in that language. So they knew the fact that they spoke in another language. It had to be something else. Peter was a Galilean. And what it shows us here is that God can even use common people to get his job done. Don't you think for a moment that because, you know, you don't have the education and you don't have the credentials and you didn't go to seminary and you don't know your Bible like that, that you can't reach somebody. God is able to use you. Can I show you something really powerful? The Bible says that after the resurrection, Jesus uh, stayed with his disciples for 40 days. This is Luke 24. And the Bible says, and he began to reveal to them 
the Old Testament and the things of him pertaining to things of him in the Old Testament. So what he did was he gave his disciples a seminary course in 40 days. So by the time Peter was able to get up to preach the first sermon of the church, he was equipped properly. Help me, Jesus. He was equipped properly to teach them the things of God so he didn't have power with no word. Which should show us something. That it's good to have the power of God. But we also must have the knowledge of God. And Christ was strategic with making sure that they understood the scriptures so that on the day of Pentecost, they could be effective with drawing people into the church. So I thank God for the power and I thank God for the demonstration and I thank God for the dancing and I thank God for all of that. But if we don't have the knowledge of the scriptures, we won't draw anybody. So now they say, how is it that each of you can, each of us can hear them in our own native tongue? I want to take my time here and I want to give you some understanding of who all these people were. There were the Parthians. Ninth verse. The Parthians are modern day Iranians. There were the Medes. The Medes are the Persians. There were the Elamites. The Elamites were the Babylonians. There were those who lived in Mesopotamia. That is where the Garden of Eden is. In Judea. In Cappadocia. That's north of Israel. In Pontus. That's further north of Israel. In Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey. That's where Apostle Paul is from. From Phrygeria, which is west of Galatia, where we get the book of Galatians, uh, which where there's Pamphylia. Uh, Pamphylia is a small strip in Asia Minor. Now watch this. Now he crosses, help me, Jesus. He crosses over the Mediterranean. And now they start speaking the language of the Egyptians and parts of Libya and Cyrene. All three of those countries are African countries. Y'all remember Simon, the man from Cyrene who helped Jesus carry the cross? He was an African man, which tells us what? That the first century church had Africans. So don't tell me that this was a religion that was just given to us 1,500 years later. Africa already had the gospel. If you read the book of Acts, the last chapter, Paul finally got to Rome to give them the gospel. We already had it. So he gives the word to the African, or God gives the word to the Africans. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts. Cretans, which is from the island of Crete. And Arabs, which is in modern day Damascus. And they say, we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. God is such a promise keeper that all of these people were drawn out into other nations given different languages. But on the day of Pentecost, God came to where they were 
spoke in the new language that they learned so that they could hear the gospel. My question for you today is, what is your language? Because we're going to have a whole lot of folks that's going to put an emphasis on speaking in tongues. But you got folks sitting next to you speaking English. And you ain't shared the gospel with them. They were all astounded and perplexed. Saying to one another, what does this mean? But some sneered and said they're drunk on new wine. (laughs) Peter stood up with the eleven raised his voice and proclaimed to them, fellow Jews and all residents of Jerusalem, let this be known to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And this is in the book of Joel, the second chapter, if you want to look it up. And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I will pour out my spirit on my servants. And in those days, both men and women And they will prophesy. I will display in the heaven above the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What Peter did because they did not know when Jesus' return was coming. And I'm closing here. They didn't know when the return of Jesus was coming. So what Peter did was he gave them a universal message that that day would come, and not only would that day come, but a day of judgment was also going to be coming. So Peter basically gave them a message of not only what was happening right there, but he also gave them basically the book of revelations as well, because he didn't understand the interval time, such as the time that we live in right now, which must mean that we're living in the last days. And because we're living in the last days, this is the time more than ever to make sure that the gospel gets out to the world. We have to preach this message of hope, of love, of joy to the unbelievers. They need this message right now because we are in the last days. I'm going to close there. I'm going to give you three points and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm finished, y'all. Point number one. All of our answers are in the word of God. Now is not the time to close the Bible. Now is not the time to close your Bible. Open the book. Look for your answers in the Bible. Number two. God has the ability to reach deep 
and grab us. I said to grab us, but and grab us. And we see that there were nations all around the world that were there to celebrate the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. And God spoke in their language to draw them in. Number three, we want the experience of the Holy Spirit, not just the sound. Let me be clear. I am Pentecostal to the core. I am Pentecostal. If I can go real deep for some of y'all, I was born apostolic. Acts 2.38, baptized in Jesus' name. So don't you get confused and believe that I've I've faded away from my my heritage. I know where I come from. But what we also must understand that a sound must come with power and the sound also must come with the word. If all we're doing is making a noise to celebrate Pentecost on the day, it has no effect. But on today, we need to have the power of the Holy Spirit And we must know the word of God if we're going to draw the people of God into his fold. Father, we thank you. I'm done. (laughs) Father, we thank you for this word on today. It's a lot. It was a lot. But God, I thank you for filling us with the Holy Ghost. And God, I pray on today, God, that you give us the strength, the knowledge and the wisdom to handle everything that's going on in this world. Give us the words of wisdom to speak to others. Give us the gifts and the tools to evangelize effectively. Give us the power to lay hands and folks are healed. Give us the power, God, for folks to recover. Give us the power, God, for the church to experience revival. But at the same time, allow us, God, to depend and stand on your word. For God, there's a lot of charlatans out here that have a whole lot of gimmicks, games, and and all types of things. They can do all that. But God, we have something that they don't have. We have your holy word. God, we ask God that you heal America. Specifically, our black brothers and sisters, our brown brothers and sisters, even our white brothers and sisters, God. Those that are struggling with, with, with the plight of what's going on, God, we ask God that you give them empathy, God, to understand what's happening in this season. Let them understand our struggle. But at the same time, God, give us the strength as you always have for our struggle. God, we are resilient people. We've been through so much, God, and you've carried us over. And we have nothing else to do but to trust you in this season. And Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.